Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to the Tamariano Show here at Israel News Talk Radio on this lovely Sunday afternoon Israel time. If you're hearing this show on another day, it is a replay of the live show that we're doing right now on Sunday afternoon between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time or between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And our guest today is none other than Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. We're, we're going to be talking to you today about many different topics, but we're going to start out with Israel's 37th government that is now being formed, what we know, what we don't know, what we assume, what we hope for, what we don't hope for, etc., etc. And I will give the stage to Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, our guest. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 80 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. Okay, so where would you like to start? That we know well, nothing me, about the elections. Give people a, a, a sort of a, a very brief overview of the process, what, how, how it works, how real democracy actually functions. Okay. okay? So the, the voter votes for whatever they vote. Here, people vote for parties, and each party gets a proportional amount of seats in the legislature. And the, legis- the, the number, the size of the legislature is always 120 seats. So each party gets its proportion of seats. And as people probably are aware, in this past election, uh, uh, the Likud party, Benjamin Netanyahu, is the head of that party, um, uh, received the, the by vast amount the uh, largest number of seats. But there is not enough to form a government by themselves. Um, we have never had a government that of one party, thank God. We always have coalition governments, which means that every uh, uh, point of view that was uh, sufficiently represented by the voters is part of the governing coalition. And that, of course, is uh, extraordinarily healthy because that ensures that democracy actually works in you and it it, it prevents um, um, uh, what we see, for instance, right now in the United States, a uh, a demagoguery of the of the majority. It cannot happen here because of the coalition that that is formed. So the the um, uh, the voter decided that uh, 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 the government that would be formed would be formed under Benjamin Netanyahu. He would form it with the Likud party as the basis of the government, and he would have three partner parties. That would be part of the government. Well, he can have more than three parties part of the government, but in this case, it looks Party? like he can have more parties as part of the government. Yes, but I'm saying what they, what the, what was decided. Okay, they, they decided there would be three parties to the uh, uh, three uh, additional parties to the government. Um, uh, in the free, previous government, for instance, we had eight parties that were part of the government. In this in this government, we'll have four: the Likud and 
uh, uh, three others. These three parties, uh, two of them have been uh, for a very long time uh, close partners of the Likud party. As a matter of fact, as far as I'm aware, more or less continually for the past three or four decades. I don't remember the exact the exact details. Um, now, people need to understand that formation of the government is a process of negotiation. Or if we, we use the American uh, uh, um, uh, 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 description right now, the, the, the art of the deal. It's a deal. In other words, the parties get together. Each one presents its requests. And I emphasize that word because the, the imitation journalists always phrase it as demands. They're not demands, they are requests. A demand means that you either give me this or I will not take part in the party. That's not what, that's not what way it works in Israeli politics. They make their requests, and these requests are somehow balanced with one another. Remember, the Likud itself is the largest party, so it also has requests, and it also has things that it needs to uh, um, uh, uh, accommodate in terms of its, co- its role in the coalition. So each party re- makes some requests, and we've been seeing all sorts of reports by all sorts of imitation journalists to say, oh, this party has demanded A, B, and C, and D, and this party has demanded uh, uh, B, C, and D, and F, and blah, blah, blah. All of these are nonsense, total hypotheses. These journalists, this is, this is the epitome of what I always taught my students. If you have nothing to say, don't say it here. Okay, so let me give you what uh, the media is reporting now. One, of, one, uh, one, one, one of the media. One of the media. Well, I'm going to give the I'm going to give out the uh, the sources as, as well. Um, as of Sunday afternoon, and again, anything can change at any time. And the if you go to IsraelNationalNews.com, it's a pretty good website that I like to go to. Benjamin Netanyahu receives mandate to form Israel's government. For all who want to know, it's the 37th government of the state of Israel since I, it's. I don't think that's accurate, by the way. Why? I don't think that's the correct number. Okay, well, okay, maybe, but that's what they're reporting, 37th gov- government of the state of Israel. No, it's the 27th. They're wrong. They're simply incorrect. It's the 27th. All right. One of, what, someone's going to have egg in their face. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as I said, they're journalists. So Benjamin Netanyahu receives a mandate to form Israel's government. The, uh, there was a ceremony that took place on Sunday where President Isaac Herzog in Israel here met with Likud leader Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm reading from this article from Arutsheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. After Netanyahu received the recommendation of 64 Knesset members, he now has 28 days to form a government. If he fails to do so within this time frame, President Herzog has the discretionary power to give him another 14 days. And uh, President Herzog stated, quote, from the uh, consultations I held, the following picture emerges, began President Herzog. 64 out of the 120 Knesset members recommended member of Knesset Benjamin Netanyahu. 28 Knesset members recommended Yair Lapid and 28 Knesset members chose not to recommend any Knesset member to form a government. Skipping ahead here, Prime Minister-designate 
Netanyahu then spoke saying after a series of elections that people decided clearly in favor of forming a government headed by myself. We are making progress toward the formation of the 37th, that's what they're reporting, government of the state of Israel. And I would like to thank all the 64 Knesset members who recommended me. We will do everything we can to form a stable and successful government with God's help, a responsible and dedicated government which will work for the benefit of all all the residents of this country without exception. And then skipping ahead to the last paragraph here, it says, alongside the many people who welcome the results of the elections, there are also those, Netanyahu says, who express great fear and seek to panic the general public. Netanyahu continued, he, uh, he says, this is not the first time there has been such a phenomenon, basically, of people trying to scare the people. He says, similar things were said about former Prime Minister Menachem Begin. It was not true then, and it is not true now. And then from uh, more information here on uh, IsraelNationalNews.com, it says, further, it's uh, believed that Shas head, Shas is the... Uh, Religious Sephardi political party. Shas head Aryeh Derry will reportedly be offered either the finance ministry, defense ministry, or interior ministry, even though religious Zionism that party won three more seats than Shas did in the elections. Netanyahu will also offer Betsalo Smotrich, the religious affairs ministry, the ministry for the Negev and the Galilee, which is important, by the way, because that's where there's rampant uh, illegal Arab uh, growth there of them doing illegal building and um, making facts on the ground and the health portfolio with a possible further ministry to be decided on later. And just a bit more, uh, it says here that uh, Arya Derry from the Shas party is really uh, opting now for finance ministry. The Likud wants to keep the defense ministry for itself and not give it to uh, Betzalo Smotrich from the Religious Zionist Party. And uh, now Itamar Ben-Gvir says that in order for him to join the coalition, not only does he want to have the Interior Security uh, Ministry, but he also wants to overturn the law of return for reformed conversions to Judaism, which would overturned the Supreme Court ruling. And this is a big problem for uh, Israel because according to Jewish uh, halakha, the code of Jewish law, these are not kosher conversions that the reform movement is giving to people. And then they're making aliyah. They're coming to Israel and getting benefits and mingling with the people, intermarrying, etc. All right. W- would you like to comment on any of that? Yes. Um, first comment I'd like to make is I, I would be very excited to see the um, uh, religious Zionist movement take over the uh, the ministry of uh, Galil and Negev. As you mentioned, that's a, a, an extremely important point at this point in time, and I think they could they could really show what the the meaning of what they what they want to do. Okay. And so we have to go to a break because the music is going to come on any second right now. And when we get back, we'll continue a little bit more about this. But then we're also going to be covering a lot of topics happening on happening in the global world as well. That's going to affect all of us here or there. 
and other news stories that we need to know. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Tamar Yano Show here, here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We are live. You can call in. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We'll be right back. We're back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And Israel is seeing the formation now, the attempts to form the next government of Israel with Netanyahu as the uh, prime minister. And there's a lot of negotiations going on right now, wheeling and dealing, as our guest, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, was explaining to you. And uh, we shall see who will get which ministries in order to satisfy everyone enough that they are able to join together and form a, a coalition government that will encompass at least 61 seats uh, out of the 120 seats in Israel, which looks like it's going to be 64 seats. All right. So um, we, we've covered that. Is there anything else that you want to say about the elections? Yes, just one comment very briefly. Um, the, the fact that the president uh, 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 tasked Netanyahu with the, um, with, with the, with the uh, uh, task of forming the government, there was no choice involved. The president, the, it's not as if the president had, had to choose something. Once a majority of the Knesset members recommended Netanyahu, he must do what they said. He has no choice in the matter. It was purely formality. Yes. Yes, and I have to say also that the president of Israel is basically like the queen, apolitical, or I should say the king now of <laughs> of, of the UK. Uh, he's not supposed to be uh, politically opinionated. He's supposed to be serving as a uh, as a like a crown head or someone who receives dignitaries and does the the help me help me here, Mordechai. He does like the nice. His his major responsibility is morality, and That's he defined. and he kind of like hosts dignitaries that come here and everything. But he's supposed yes. to stay apolitical, representing the people of Israel. All right, now, it's very rare that a president has succeeded in being apolitical. For instance, we had a president named Katsir, who was before that he was a scientist, and he was su- supremely successful at that. But there have also been presidents that failed at that. Like Shimon Peres, who was actually not only opinionating, but doing things that were political to the left and uh, while he was president. But nobody said a word because he was, he was a Joe Biden. Yeah, he was a moron. <laughs> okay. I, knew, I knew Shimon Peres very well, and I can... I can discuss he a lot was of given a free pass, this, let's put it which that Which I was not to right now on the air. Okay, all right. So we have lots of topics to cover. Uh, Kristallnacht, do you want to do that first? Yes. Okay. Tell, uh, tell everybody what it is. Who doesn't know? People that aren't aware is the date when the the, the Nazi Party uh, began in earnest their persecution of the Jewish citizens of Germany. Uh, it's called Kristallnacht because on that night they literally went around from Jewish business to Jewish business, shattering their storefront windows, uh, and that's why it's called Crystal and. Uh, uh, destroying their businesses violently. Now, um, uh, two fascinating comments about 
Kristallnacht this year. First of all, the Goethe Institute, which is a arm of the German government, decided this year to have a seminar on the anniversary of Kristallnacht. And the seminar was to conflate the Holocaust with what they call the Nakba. In other words, to put it into real terminology, to them, the murder of between six and seven million non-combatants is equivalent to the so-called Nakba, where 250,000 Palestinians, the vast majority of whom voluntarily, at their own volition, and against the wishes of the Jewish government, left their homes. This number, by the way, is not my number. It's a number published by the United Nations General Assembly in 1950. They counted the people. I didn't. I was too young at the time. As a matter of fact, 1950, I wasn't even born yet, but okay. Um, uh, 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 so that's the real number. Afterwards, Arafat, at the behest of the KGB, just sort of modified that number from 250 to 750,000. But that was a lie, as all of these things are. So the Goethe Institute, the branch of the German government, decided to conflate murder of 7 million Jews non-competence with 250,000 people voluntarily leaving their homes against our wishes. Now again, not all of them were voluntary. Some of them we did throw out, uh, particularly those that had guns and were shooting at us. We, we did throw them out of the country. But the vast majority were, were left their homes voluntarily at the behest of the uh, uh, Arab High Command um, uh, uh, which was sitting at the time in Beirut. Um, so uh, uh, the German government today believes that these two things are equivalent. Um, this is why, I, in parallel, the German government every year continues to finance subversion of Israel with hundreds of millions of euros while the German government is going bankrupt because they consider subverting Israel to be more important than their own people. And in parallel to all this, uh, uh, there's a company there called KFC, which I believe is an American company, a, a chain of, of, of restaurants of some, court, some sort, that they announced festive meals to celebrate Kristallnacht. You're talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC? KFC, is that, is that Kentucky Fried Chicken, I suppose? Oh, I Usually that's what they call it. Okay. Well, it I, seems I, that the leopard hasn't... Uh, the leopard hasn't changed its spots and uh, working from the same playbook as uh, Hitler when he found it more important to use the trains to ship Jews to their death at the death camps and to feed and take care of his own soldiers on the front. Yes, as I, as I, as I say, I can comment. I, I have, I've been to Germany several times uh, and I've spoken with many Germans and, 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 I, and I, I documented all that in my, in my autobiography if anybody is interested. It's in written Hebrew, though. Um, uh, uh, I don't see any real difference between Germany of 1930 and, and 2022. I just don't see any difference. I said 1930, not 33, because there are differences in terms of laws, but not in terms of the people. I, I just don't see any difference. The Germans are the Germans are the Germans. They're still basically Krauts. Very sad. I, yes. I mean, there are some good Germans and there are some good of everybody, every culture. Let's just state that as well. But uh, as the government is, is uh, 
pushing this I'm now. I'm talking about the culture. I'm talking about the general population. Um, uh, I, I can go through that in great gory detail, but I won't bother people with it right, with it right now. But I went to Germany uh, in the early 70s specifically to ask myself that question. I take, took the trouble, the trouble and the time and the time to teach myself the German language, at least to the point where I could converse more or less with people on the street. Um, they're no difference. They're, they're the same thing. They're the same people that they were then. I just don't find any difference. And the German government, is, with its actions, has proven that many times over throughout the, throughout the years. By the way, uh, 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 in terms of the United Nations, there has never been a case when Germany voted with Israel. At best, they abstain. Usually, they vote against. Oh, like the Ukraine. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's go to. Have we exhausted that topic? Because we have another yes, three. Thank God. Thank God we exhausted that topic. Okay. We only have three more. Three more minutes to this segment as well. Mohammed bin Salman to Pakistan. What this means to the world. Well, first tell our listeners what happened, and then you can tell us what okay, it means let, to let's, us. Okay. Let's 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 talk about this. Is a really important subject. Mohammed bin Salman is going. Has announced a visit to Pakistan. Now we need to begin with a little bit of background. When Pakistan, uh, 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 several decades ago, decided to develop its nuclear weapons, the, the, the Pakistan is a very poor country. They didn't have the wherewithal to do that. Saudi Arabia bankrolled them. They financed the entire project. Why? Well, two reasons. The first reason was that it was they considered it insulting that many countries in the world had atomic weapons, but no Arab country, no Muslim country did. And the, the Pakistanis had the, shall I say, the technological and mental capacity to solve the problem. So that was, it was a question of pride, uh, uh, national pride in the sense of the, the, the Ummah, the, the, the nation of Muslims, not a specific nation state as we as we define them today. But there was a string there was a string attached to that. When Saudi Arabia financed them, and this is not known, but it is in writing and it can be found if people actually look for it, um, the string attached was if Saudi Arabia ever decides that they need to have atomic weapons of their own, and their definition was, that is, if Iran has nuclear weapons, then Pakistan would supply Saudi Arabia with both weapons and the technology to, to create more weapons. Not atomic weapons we're talking about. We're talking about nuclear weapons here. So there was a string attached, and that string, um, uh, 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 Mohammed bin Salman is going to Pakistan now to pull that string. And why is that? Because of Biden, of course. Because Biden is a basic, basically a bloody stupid fool who insists upon allowing Iran to have atomic weapons. Now, what's the externals? What's the what are they talking about here? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pakistan, as I said, is a very poor country. It, it has tremendous problems, and this year it had uh, a flooding where more than a third of the country got flooded. So the the, the country is in bad shape to begin with, and it was horribly harmed by nature these past few months. 
the, the, over, the, over the summer months. So, Saudi Arabia, which has, how, how, how we say, more cash than it really knows what to do with, has decided to invest in Pakistan to help them along. That's very nice. And, uh, and I emphasize that a large portion of this is really zakat, charity, in the, term, in the terminology of Islam, zakat. All right, we're back here at the Tamar Yunus Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. We were talking in the last segment about Mohammed bin Salman to Pakistan and what that means to the world. Uh, continue. Okay. Uh, as I said, uh, the, the, total, the total amount of money being transferred is supposed to be, uh, uh, clearly, again, this is a negotiation and it's not finalized yet, but it's supposed to be on the order of 14 and a quarter billion dollars. And we're talking about building uh, uh, petrochemical and oil refinery in the city of Guadal, uh, building uh, um, some hospital and uh, science park, and et cetera. And, and the basic question is, okay, what does Saudi Arabia get out of this? So part of this, as I said, is zakat, and that's to be saluted, and that's to be uh, cherished. This is a, certainly a, a, a fine thing to do. Um, I mean, Pakistan really is in trouble and really does need help. Um, uh, uh, but, but also, there, there, there's a, there is also a practical aspect here, not just a, um, uh, how do you say it, uh, a spiritual aspect. And, and Saudi Arabia wants to get their practical aspect as well. Basically, Mohammed bin Salman wants to make sure that if he, if he, as I say, the Saudi government needs it, they can receive uh, a full set of nuclear weapons plus tech, nuclear weapons technology from Pakistan upon demand. And, and this is, uh, 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 as I said, this is part of their basic agreement that they had many decades ago when Saudi Arabia originally financed the development of Pakistan's nuclear weapons as they exist today. I'm certain that uh, uh, India is not overjoyed by this, by this, visit, this, this visit. Right. Um, uh, 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 Pakistan, as I said, is a very poor country. They have nothing to offer other than other than that, unless you talk about uh, inexpensive labor. But that's not really a big thing because there are many countries that offer Saudi Arabia inexpensive labor. Um, uh, 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 but the agreement was: if Iran gets nuclear weapons, then Saudi Arabia has nuclear weapons as well. In other words, Biden is knowingly and with malice aforethought forcing Saudi Arabia to arm itself with nuclear weapons. That's not exactly a smart thing to do, but that's Biden. Um, we need to understand a little bit about what's going on in Iran, and just uh, as a sort of a, uh, uh, as an offshoot of this discussion. The Iranian currency is called the Rial. It is down to now 367,000 Rial per US dollar. Wow. Just to make people understand, on, uh, during the time of of uh, Jimmy Carter, there were eight real to the dollar. Now it's 367,000 real to the dollar. So uh, clearly uh, the Iranian uh, economy is not exactly healthy. Um, um, the IAEA, the uh, United Nations Atomic Energy Over 
overlooker, whatever they call themselves, is still trying to trying to convince Iran to cooperate, while Iran simply laughs at them publicly. Uh, and by the way, I do mean that publicly. They actually laugh at them publicly by official speakers of the Iranian government. Um, uh, uh, just to throw out a couple of points to this, to sum up this, uh, this, this, uh, this subject that we're talking about, if Saudi Arabia gets nuclear weapons, then Egypt will as well. Again, this is clear and this is decided a long time ago. Um, everyone is aware that the United States got to be where it is geographically via purchasing property. It purchased Alaska from the Russians. It purchased the Louisiana Territory from the French, etc., etc. Um, so the idea of purchasing territory to become sovereign, a sovereign part of the of, a, of the purchaser, is not new, and it's part of American history. Well, um, just to be just for people to be aware of it, China right now is in negotiation to purchase from Venezuela a series of islands off the northern coast of Venezuela. Hmm. Now, anybody who's calm and happy about that in the United States, then you're a moron. This is extraordinarily dangerous. And there's no way that America can prevent this if, if, if the deal actually goes through. They could have another now, Cuba crisis. Well, they can't because this is... The Cuban crisis, they, 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 you know, they, 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 they put on a show for the whole world, but basically they're... they're there really is no moral issue here. If if China purchases a part of, of Venezuela, it becomes part of China. Full stop. There, there's nothing you can do about that. Legally, morally, there's nothing you can do. Hmm. And this is... Uh, 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 Venezuela owes China a great deal of money, and China is offering them to buy these uh, properties, these islands... In lieu of their debt. In lieu of their debt. Hmm. Interesting. Now, why aren't we reading the about that? that? Don't normally get reported in the, in the news. You have to dig right. a little bit deeper. Right. Okay, moving right along now. Just a few um, uh, uh, numbers to deal with that people need to be aware of. Um, the first one is that, uh, as we all know, Biden is not quite two years in 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 office. He has managed to increase the debt service costs, the cost, you know, everyone knows that the United States has an enormous debt. It stands now at about $33 trillion. Just the debt service, in other words, paying the interest on that debt each year now costs the American taxpayer $1.4 trillion per year just to pay the interest on the debt. Debt service. $1.4 trillion per year. Uh, uh, for the past 25 years, and this is a, a very interesting comment that I've seen actually uh, um, from two separate sources this week. Um, one is a, um, a, a very well-known futurist by the name of uh, David Pasig, a professor at Tel Aviv University, who I know personally, and he is brilliant. And another is, uh, uh, at the same time, a, a, a uh, interview given by Peter Thiel, uh, I'm not certain if I'm pronouncing his last name quite correctly. I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, on a program called Uncommon Knowledge, which I strongly recommend. It's a superb program. 
Um, and they both said the same thing, at, and it, uh, totally unrelated with one another. So the, the, for the past 25 years, economic growth in the U.S. has slowed tremendously, as we all know. Real wages are stagnant. And by the way, in Europe, it's slowed much more than in the United States. The pace of change has slowed markedly. Moore's law, which uh, for many decades uh, 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 was the basis of the um, um, semiconductor industry, uh, has simply been uh, um, canceled totally. Um, instead of that, we now have a, a, a new so-called law, law that they, they uh, 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 M, uh, or something, I don't know how they pronounce it, but they simply uh, reverse the letters of the word law, of Moore. Um, Moore was actually a person, by the way. He was a, um, a, a vice vice president of Intel when Intel was formed. Um, and he, Moore's law was that the the uh, power of uh, semiconductor chips would double every 18 months. And that was true for many, 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 many years. It has not been true for the last 20 years. Um, but now we have a new situation where the price of new drugs doubles every two years, the price uh, every seven years, the price rather than the efficacy. Uh, physics has slowed. There have been no significant discovery in 50 years in physics. Uh, humankind's progress, progress has basically evolved to the concept of 140 characters. Um, fuel efficiency of the Ford Model T from 1927 and fuel efficiency of today's automobiles is basically the same despite hundreds of billions of dollars being invested in the automobile industry over the past hundred years, basically nothing has changed. The average government worker in California makes twice the salary of the average private sector worker. Silicon Valley today is the dystopian hellhole of drugs, homelessness, and high taxes with no return. California um, anyone who um, witnesses what's going on in California today is just, it, it's just horrendous to, to see. Traditionally, for the past, uh, I would say, 200 years, scientists have more or less squinted, <coughs> pardon me, squinted in the direction of science fiction writers to see, well, what, what's possible? What, what can we where can we work for in the in the in the future? What what kind of things can we perceive to be happening as a, a, in the future? Science fiction over the past twenty five years has become basically dystopian, apocalyptic, and depressing, and just very very bad writing. I haven't read a decent science fiction book in a very long time, uh, unless it's a very old one that I simply um, uh, reread because I love to old science fiction everything has been dumbed down lately and even the remakes of you know movies and things like that are just so bad they're yeah, not they're, even good they're not even good correct. i was just looking over the the, the, the other day um uh, i think it was on friday or thursday or something like that tens and tens of remakes of cinderella uh, peter pan sleeping beauty with with Various little changes here and there, and they're all garbage. They're all just total garbage. And this is basically the same for just about anything you can think of. Hollywood produces 
maybe two or three decent movies a year. <coughs> and you know, I I have a whole bunch of uh, old readers' digests from like the seventies, oh, which goodness. I love to look through to see that even okay. just to even see the advertisements. It no, but I it, they had really good articles. Then you look at a readers' digest today. In my opinion, it's so poor. The writing is poor. The quality is poor. Whatever. It's just it's kind of sad. I, I haven't seen readers' digest in decades, so I can't. Okay. Specifically Trust me. But I would say the same thing is true for almost anything. You look at Newsweek, Time Magazine, uh, 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 Business Week. It's not the same caliber. Fun. It's not the same caliber. Okay, what? but instead of reminiscing down memory lane and th- thinking how things are so much worse off today than before, let's t- you know tackle another topic because time is escaping us. Okay, okay. So the question basically is why the dearth of new ideas? Why has this happened? And you said one thing, I mean, the question of dumbing down. If, if tertiary education in the United States is basically political indoctrination, then there's no reason to expect to have superb engineers. So, uh, you know, so when a person or a society achieves a state of no argument, authority is absolute, you're not allowed to argue, trepidation reigns. Stupid and, people are easier to control. Absolutely. And people who don't know how to think for themselves, which is they don't have critical thinking, even easier to control. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. You don't need to be a futurist to be aware of this. This is normal stuff to think about. Everything in social economics is a domino. So if you don't have A, you're not going to get B. And that's just the way it works. And right now, and again, I'm not saying that this is irreversible. I'm saying I'm looking at the picture of what's going on today. All of the major, quote unquote, empires or nation states or whatever, China, Russia, Europe, USA, are all in a, already in an advanced state of societal collapse. And I'll go on to the, to the next subject, the, more or less the last subject, other than some comments at the end. And that's a company called FTX. This is an extremely important, it's a small subject to talk about. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But it's a very very poignant example of what we're talking about. FTX was one of the three largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world up until last week. It declared bankruptcy. A few days before that, it was valued... The company itself, FTX, was valued at $32 billion. Billions of dollars in cash. Some, some reports tell me $1 billion, Some reports tell me $10 billion. I don't know the exact number right now. I don't know if anybody knows. Well, some, one person does know. Has simply disappeared. Um, the person who owned or control, the co- controlled or whatever... Uh, formed it was a ba- ba- person by the name Sam Bankman Freed. Again, this is not something that's normally discussed in the news these days. I've looked at many sources over the past few days uh, 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 concerning this. Um, it turns out that he was the second largest donator to the Democratic Party in this past election. Who was largest? George Soros. 
Keep Second going. largest was this guy, Sam Bankman Freed. He pledged over a billion dollars. He didn't give a billion dollars, by the way. He only pledged a billion dollars. But he did give ten, many, ten, many tens of millions. Right. And what was the source of his money? Where did he get the money to donate to the to the um, to the Democratic Party? Well, it turns out that the government of Ukraine was an investor, major investor in FTX. Isn't that a shocking thing? The government of Ukraine, which is supposedly embattled and at war and does not have funds to feed its people, who is a major investor in cryptocurrency. Was Hunter Biden involved in that? <laughs> I'm joking. I, I don't know which Biden, but a lot of Bidens were evidently involved in that. All right. Um, so again, what does that mean to us? Well, it means it means a lot, actually. First of all, it, it means that, first of all, anybody who's looking seriously at cryptocurrencies, I've said this before, a, 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 a an artificial asset with nothing real behind it that also has absolutely no regulation. And I'm not talking about the technology. The blockchain technology is superb. I'm talking about the actual so-called coins. Something like that with no regulation behind it has to be a fraud. It cannot be real. And even if one specific one is more or less real, whatever real means when there's nothing behind it, um, I won't touch it. Maybe if, if it's ever regulated properly on an international basis, <coughs> there might be some reason to look at it. But FTX, the third largest exchange in the world, we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars going through it, basically it was a Ponzi scheme. The entire thing was a fraud. The entire exchange was a fraud. And most of the reports that I've seen, I've said, as I mentioned before, some reports said $1 billion that was transferred to his personal account, this, this Sam Bankman Freed guy. Um, and some reports said $10 billion were transferred to his personal account. The company was run out of the Bahamas. Basically, a bunch by a bunch of juveniles, and it's now declared bankruptcy. And it had 136 subsidiaries. These amazing numbers. This is just phenomenally amazing numbers. Okay, so for those who invested in it, we understand the importance of this story. For those who didn't invest in it. Tell us. First of all, it's not just those who invested in it, but anyone who invested in anything dealing with these so-called cryptocurrencies. Now, remember, there is a difference between a cryptocurrency and a digital currency. <coughs> We're talking about cryptocurrencies, not the digital currencies. The digital currencies that the Chinese and the American treasuries, uh, treasuries are in the process of creating right now. These may be fine. I'm, I'm not suppressing any opinion about those things right now. That's not the subject. Talking about the cryptocurrencies, the currencies which are supposedly purely private and uh, 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 have no government backing and have no nothing to back them. They're just purely speculative. Okay. Um, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Bitcoin 
uh, at its peak, I think, reached something in the honor of, of $60,000 per coin. And it's now down to, I think, $12,000 per coin or $10,000 per coin or some such number. And it, in my personal opinion, that it will continue to go down. It, it's worth what it's worth whatever someone says it's worth. And basically, it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. And if anybody's willing to pay for it today, I personally, my personal opinion, you don't have to accept my opinion. My personal opinion, if you're willing to pay for the more than the price of a of uh, 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 a used dish, dish rag, there's something wrong with your mind. But that's my personal opinion. I don't have to agree with it. Uh, basically, they simply walked away with the money. And basically, they didn't break any laws by doing it. And that's an amazing statement. These people walked away with billions of dollars and broke no law. Now, that's something to think about. So I guess they're laughing all the way to the bank. No, they own the bank. <laughs> okay. Okay, just to wrap things up now, we're two, two, basically two comments that I'm going to make. Uh, we're seeing now a, um, a, a, a wave, which hopefully it, it apparently is, is beginning to subside. We, we saw on, under this last government a wave of so-called Palestinian nationalism and, and terrorism. Um, I'm going to ask you a really nasty question. If, as we all know, the IDF is basically nearly 100% successful and every terrorist is either captured or killed, isn't Palestinian nationalism basically Satanism? It's just, they're just worshipping Satan. There, there, there is nothing else there. These people are being made fools of, and my heart goes out to this to the people who are. Who, I mean, there are a lot of marvelous people who are of Arabic descent of some sort or another living within the state of Israel, and I don't have anything against them in particular. But these morons that that think that they're acting for the benefit of their people are doing har enormous harm to themselves, to their families, and to their people. But they've always been doing that. Well, since Arafat, yes. Basically, Arafat was a tool of the KGB, and he wasn't bright enough to understand that it was being used. I want to end it on just just with an hour, with an African proverb that I heard just the, just uh, 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 last night. To be America's enemy is dangerous, but to be America's friend is fatal. Ooh. Ooh, and is this ooh, what ooh. America really wants to be known? Well, I would say not the patriotic Americans that love America as it used to be. No, no, I'm God certainly bless those people. I'm, I'm talking about basically the, the people that are running America today. The left. All right, we have to end it there. Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, thank you everybody for listening to the Tamariano Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Thank you for being with us. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. 
Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 